Moms, sometimes you might wonder if all those hours of taking care of your kids and your grandkids gets noticed. You might wonder if, if you're doing the job in a good way. And sometimes you probably have moments when you wonder what your kids are thinking. And you might even have moments when the enemy wants to come in and, and feed you some lies that you're not doing a very good job. But truth of the matter is you're making a profound difference in our world. And godly mothers have an influence that can only be given by a mom. I can attest to that today because of my mom's influence in my life. And while my masculinity has been shaped by my fathers, my stepfather and my father, and they showed me how to be a man and how to lead my family and how to guard the gate of my home and how to love my wife and how to protect her and my children, my mom has shaped me in ways that my dads could never shape me. And if you were to cut me open and you were to meet my mom, there's a lot of... her in me. Your impact is greater than you realize. And sometimes you just need to know that. Here's a video that will attest to that. One thing I wish I could be better at as a mom would be to think before I speak because words really do matter to them. I wish I could spend more quality time with my kids. I wish I could take away the pain. I don't know. I wish I could take away the pain that I caused them when I divorced their dad. I wish that I was a better listener. I wish I could be better at managing my time. I wish I could be more patient with my kids. My mom is so cool. <laughs> My mom is so awesome and hot. Though. <laughs> My mom really loves me. I love about my mom that she takes good care of the babies because she's a foster mom. At Disneyland, what I love to do with my mom is go down to Splash Mountain and we do a special pose and it looks like this. My mom is really smart because she listens to the Bible. My mom takes really good care of me. She makes me feel really important. You're the best mom. She is my best friend, she really is. Um, I love all her phone calls. She always apologizes for calling me. So sorry, I know you're busy and thank you for answering, but I love when she calls me. It's like one of the best parts of my day. I think she's pretty great. She always makes me feel like uh, she's my number one fan and uh, no matter 
what I'm doing in my life or what I've done, she's always praising me for doing a good job and, and uh, makes me feel important. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that from her. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. We love you so much. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. I hope this makes you cry. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you so much. Pact is far greater than you realize, moms. Your prayers, your sleepless nights, your constant words of encouragement, your notes, your letters, the phone calls, the way you shape us makes a difference. And your godly instruction makes a difference in the lives of your children. And while your child might not see that right away, there comes a point in his or her life that they recognize that and they grow to appreciate that. And generally it happens when they begin to have kids too. To attest to that truth today, as I think about where we're about to go, there's a man in the Bible, and I just want to refer to him today by the name of Timothy. And two books in the New Testament, don't turn there, were written about him. Paul, who was his mentor, wanted to write to Timothy to teach him how to be a godly man and how to be a pastor. And he said these words as a reminder to Timothy about his mother. And this is what he said about his mother and his grandmother. Just listen to this. In 2 Timothy, Paul said this to Timothy. He said in verse Chapter 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And, he said, I am persuaded now lives in you also. The faith of Timothy was passed down from his mother and from his grandmother. And we know in Acts chapter 16 that, that Timothy's father was a Gentile, which most likely meant he was unsaved. So faith of a mother and a grandmother passed down to Timothy, allowed him to have two books in the New Testament written about them. And then Paul said this to Timothy later in this letter. Just listen to this in regards to his mother and the faith being passed down to him. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says this, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says these powerful words that we're familiar with. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He reminds him, that the truths of God's word were passed down to him from his mother, from infancy. And so today, as I think about this passage, and I, I don't believe that this is a coincidence. I believe that God sovereignly set this up before the foundation of the world as it began to chart out what to go to next in, in the series of messages here at Grace. And so today we land in a passage of scripture that deals with family. And it's a heavenly father speaking to his children And he's saying to them today and to us today, family is very important. Be faithful to one another. And if moms could speak today, 
they would probably say, this is really good. This is important because the family unit is important to me. And so as we jump into this text today, which is very challenging, and it's one that, that God comes with a very tender tone, he's addressing components about the family today. And so my hope is this today, that you'll see me speak with grace. You'll see me speak in love. I'm going to try to capture the heart of our father as he's talking to his children. And as a mom would look at her kids and say, listen to this. This is important. This is so important that God wrote a letter to you children that you should listen to this. Open your Bibles and turn to Malachi as we continue through the book of Malachi and turn to chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, the last book of the Old Testament. And we're going to read verses 10 to 17. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand today. But turn to Malachi chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 10 through 17. Malachi chapter 2 verses 10 to 17. I could probably speak on behalf of my wife, Anne, today, and she would say this because we agree with this. The greatest gift that a child can give their mother is for them to always follow hard after Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see this passage today, and God's going to lay this letter out to us, and he's going to ask from us these very important things that deal with family. Stand with me, and we'll read this together. Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 17. Let's read it out loud. I'll be reading from the NIV, the 2011 version. Let's read together. Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 to 17. Ready? Read. Do we not all have one father? Did not God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel, in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying a woman who worships a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, you weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offering or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. Be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? You may have a seat. God speaking to us today. The father speaking to his children, and he pulls out three areas that he's asking us to be faithful in. Now, there's many areas that God wants us to be faithful in. In fact, all areas. But today in this letter that Malachi is, is wrote as he heard from God, and as we hear it today, he reminds us today to remain faithful to one another. In fact, look again at verse 10. Look how he says it in verse 10. He says in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 10, do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we, what's the word? Profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful 
to one another. I found myself, literally, as I read that this week in my office, I began to weep because I was hearing a father speak to his kids. And he's asking his children, please, be faithful to one another. Be faithful to one another, be faithful in marriage, and be faithful to me. And so at the height of this passage, God is ready to wrap up this letter, and he's looking at his children, and he sees them being unfaithful in many ways, and he's asking them, please, be faithful to one another. In fact, I want to show you how many times he repeats that phrase. Look with me again at 10 through 17. Look at the end of verse 10. He says this. He says, why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors? By being unfaithful to one another. Look at the beginning of verse 11. Judah has been unfaithful. Look at the end of verse 14. You have been unfaithful to her. Look at the end of verse 15. Do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. Look what he says in verse at the end of 16. Do not be unfaithful. You know, if I was an English prof, in, in, in I, or I was in an English class, the, or I was in a, a, a class in seminary and I was to write something, the prof would probably come back with a red pen and say, you've said that too many times. Think of another way about saying this. But God is saying today to us, his children, you've been unfaithful to me. Please, be faithful. Be faithful to one another. Be faithful to those that are your brother's And sisters, you have been unfaithful. Let's define the word unfaithful. Unfaithful means disloyal. It means treacherous and sincere. And as believers, he said, we have one God, and he is our father. And so when we come to Christ, when we come into what we call the family of God, we now have brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm 53 years old. 48 years ago, by God's grace, I began a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I began that relationship with Jesus Christ, I was grafted into this incredible family of God all across the world. I have brothers and sisters, and God is looking down, and he's saying to me, and he's saying to you, you have a family. Be faithful to them. Don't profane your family. In fact, Paul said it later in Ephesians 3 and 14 and 15. I love how he says it. He says it, he says it this way. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. You and I, while we're not blood brothers and sisters, we are blood brothers and sisters because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we are brothers and sisters, and he's saying, he's looking down, and he's seeing this unfaithfulness to each other. He's seeing this disloyalty. He's seeing the way they're treating one another, and it's breaking his heart. And as any father would look down to his own kids, and he saw them not treating a sibling well, or them profaning, or them dissolving, or, or them being treacherous towards, it would break his heart too. The word profane literally means to wound or dissolve the covenant. So it's breaking his heart. And it would break a mother's heart too. To see their son, their daughter, rupture the relationship with their brother or sister. You see, he's telling us today. You've wronged other people. Please, pull away from that. Go back and resolve that relationship. And so he's going to show us today in this passage. I think it's a beautiful picture of of what can happen if we do what he wants us to do and a horrible picture of what happens when we don't do what he wants us to do. And so what happens is instead of working out the relationship with our brothers and sisters, we avoid them. We dissolve them. 
we go on to other brothers and sisters instead of trying to work it out. God longs for us to do our best to work it out. As I was thinking about this week, I wonder, as you look back over your life and you look back now, many of us have brothers and sisters. I have brothers and sisters. I have a brother by the name of Ray. I have a sister by the name of Joni. I have a sister by the name of Jamie. I have a sister by the name of Kim. I love them with all of my heart. And while ministry has separated us and we live in different states, they will always be my brother and my sister. And God is saying this, be faithful to them. Like as I look back over my life, I've done things to them that have harmed them. I've went back and apologized for things in my super righteous moments. And I've, and I've also, they've done things to me, but never, listen to me, never, not once along the way did I ever think, I'm going to dissolve this relationship. I'm going to walk away from it. No, God is saying in the same way that you would never walk away from a relationship with your sibling, the same family that you now have, work it out. Work it out. Make every effort, every effort to work it out and work hard on it. Yet most of us don't, and He's saying, in this case, many of you haven't. Instead of seeing them as your brothers and sisters, you check off the list, and you allow a relation, instead of relationship being formed, you become religious in how you treat them. And so you bring your list. I like this, I like that, I like this. I don't like this, I don't like that. And if your don'ts are more than your do's, you pull away, you avoid, and so you walk away. And God is saying, no, that's religion. That's not relationship. And so as he looks down, he sees as you are being unfaithful to one another. And this kind of action has infiltrated our minds so much, and here's what happens. If you take that same mindset in relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, and you find something about them that you don't like, and maybe the list is long, instead of trying to work it out, if you avoid, you dissolve, you profane this covenant that you have with them, and you move on to a new relationship, the same mindset he's showing us goes into your marriage. You come into the marriage, you begin to check off the list. It becomes religion instead of relationship. I don't like this about him. I don't like this about her. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. And if your don't likes are more than your do's, you use the same kind of mindset that you did with the one another's and you avoid, you leave, you go find another person. He said, listen, it's breaking my heart. I sent my son, Jesus Christ, so that you could share his name and you refuse to work it out. You avoid, you go find other brothers and sisters. And so he's saying, please quit being unfaithful. The truth of the matter is it still is happening in our world today. Here's the reality. If you think or I think that somehow if I avoid this relationship and somehow remove myself from this relationship that things will be better, we take the same us to the next relationship. And if you keep taking the same you to the next relationship, at some point the same ugly you will surface again or the same ugly them will surface. And God is saying, 
Work it out. We are in covenant with each other. Instead of running and avoiding and saying, I don't want to be your brother or sister anymore. I'm moving on. I'll find other brothers and sisters. And it's breaking the heart of our God. And when we act this way, we're just being religious instead of acting in relationship with Jesus. We want others to know that we are right instead of being more concerned about the relationship. If we truly are children of God, the best picture that anyone will ever have of Jesus Christ is how we love one another. Let me ask you a very personal question. When someone looks at your life in relationship with someone else, how do they see you dealing with difficulties? How do they see you working it out? Are you making every effort to work it out? Or do you avoid, do you profane the name and the covenant of our ancestors and our Father God by saying, I'm going somewhere else? God is saying, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart by doing that. Truth of the matter is this, we need to be the real kind of friend that stands by the side of a brother through thick and thin, even if others aren't willing to. Friendship, by the way, isn't always about whom you have known the longest. It's about who came and never left your side. And when Christ came to us, he came by our side and he never left us. A real friend, a real brother and sister in Christ stands by someone's side through thick and thin and says, I have your back. I will stand with you to the end and we will work this out. That's how the world will be one to Jesus Christ. The way we love one another. Ephesians chapter four, Paul tried to express this as he was looking at the church of Ephesians and he said this, he said, Ephesus, he said, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I would say this, instead of trying to find all that is wrong with them and looking for an exit strategy, make every effort, every effort, every effort to work it out. But we drop relationships like we do recycling products. And God is saying, it's breaking my heart. We're the body of Christ. And by the way, if you can't live with them now, you know what he'll probably do? He'll probably give us a corner in heaven. We have to live eternity with them in heaven. That's probably what he'll do. So you better work it out now. So you know what we do in our exit strategy? We come up with our list of the things we don't like. And by the way, if you're looking for faults in someone, you'll find them. And if you're looking at me, you'll find many. You might need five or six pieces of paper. But if that's all you're looking for, and if you're trying to develop your case... Let me tell you, you'll find them. I'll throw the white flag out. And so will you. You'll throw the white flag out. But nine times out of ten, Mark Batterson said, criticism is a defense mechanism. We criticize in others what we don't like in ourselves. You'll find those problems. But God is saying, you're breaking my heart. You're supposed to be the body of Christ. We derive the same name, be faithful. To one another. Because if that pattern doesn't change, you'll take that same mindset into a marriage. You'll take that same mindset in a relationship with me, and everything will go south 
quickly. Secondly, he says this, remain faithful to Jesus by not being unequally yoked. Look at verse 11 of chapter 2. He says, Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary of the Lord. Loves by marrying women who worship a foreign God. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob. Even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty, any time in the Old Testament of the Bible, you see a reference to Judah, Jerusalem, or Israel. It's a reference to God's people. So he's saying today that, that even you are doing this. You are being unfaithful. You know how you're being unfaithful? He said, it's a detestable thing. It's breaking my heart. By marrying women of another faith. By saying yes to him and yes to her who worships the little G that doesn't worship the Lord God Almighty. And he's saying he will cut them off. Why is God so upset? You may say, what right does our God the Father have to be so upset if I'm marrying them? Because he knows the hardship that's ahead for you. He knows when you don't have Jesus at the center, it will be the hardest relationship that you'll ever have on planet Earth. Marriage, by the way, is the second most important decision you will ever make in this life. The number one is Jesus Christ. By the way, what is God saying here then? To be not unequally yoked. Let me speak what God is saying. He's saying a believer should marry another believer. And a believer should not marry an unbeliever. That's what God is saying. I'm just repeating his word. He's saying, when you're thinking about marrying someone, he says, please, seek a man out if you're a woman that loves Jesus Christ. Don't ever compromise. And don't ever think that somehow, if I marry this person, that I'll convert them. That somehow, it's a missionary dating service. Listen, it does work, and I rejoice where it has worked for you. But listen to me. I know all the other stories of a husband or wife who has a believer, has a husband that's saved, or a wife that's saved, and has just the opposite, unsaved. And it is a struggle, because you don't get to share the joys of Jesus Christ. You don't have the support in prayer of of covering that comes in relationship. And so God is saying, please, hear me today, please, from a pastor's heart. Listen, no matter how good he makes you feel and how good she makes you feel and how desperate you might be and how you might believe in your mind that this is the one God is saying, please, don't marry them unless they're a believer. Because if you don't, you're being unfaithful to me. You're marrying someone who worships the enemy instead of me. I watched it happen over and over and over again. And it's breaking his heart, God is saying. Some might ask me this, like, what right does God have to do that? Here's what right he has. He created marriage. He created us. He's our Father God, and he longs to do that in covenant. Let me also say this. Maybe this will help you today. God would never expect from us what he isn't willing and what he doesn't think is possible. He would never expect from us to marry a believer only if he didn't think that was best for us. 
He would never expect from us to not be in a dating relationship with someone that, to be in a dating relationship with only a believer and not an unbeliever. God would never expect that from you if he didn't think it was possible. So let me pull away and just have a little father, child, son, daughter talk. If you're in a dating relationship as your, as your shepherd at Grace Community, listen to me, please. If you're single or you're single again, and the person that is making your heart flutter right now doesn't know Jesus Christ, please, if you want to honor your God, listen to me, please. If you want to be faithful to God, pull away from that relationship. You might say, Pastor Jim, we've been together for four months, six months, and and he's doing this and she's doing that. We've been together for three years. Listen to me. The word of God says, if you are unequally yoked with an unbeliever, you are being unfaithful. Listen to me. You got to believe me on this. God sees your heart. God knows that you desire to be married. In the psalm, it tells us that he delights. We can, when we delight in him, he gives us the desires of our hearts. If you think that somehow this man or this woman who's unsaved and you are willing to marry them, that that's God's will for your life, please listen to me, please, please. It's a lie from the enemy. And if you believe that it's the desire of your heart to be married, God will provide Now, I understand. I rejoice. I really do. I celebrate those of you who God has radically, radically, radically saved. But I don't look at my kids. I don't wish that Josh, Hannah, or Isaiah, and I'm not going to encourage them, hey, go date an unbeliever and just pray for their salvation. Go ahead and marry them, and I'm going to pray for their salvation too. I would never want my kids to have to walk through that hardship and the unknown. What if they never come to Christ? That's what he's saying today. So please, never compromise. No matter how lonely you feel, no matter how long your nights are, no matter how many tears you might drop because of this, if you're dating, listen to me, men, if you're in a dating relationship with a gal who doesn't know Christ, please do the godly thing and look at him and say, I love you and I'm grateful for you and I love my God too much. I must pull away from this relationship. You see, if you're not fully devoted to Jesus, you'll be tempted to compromise and give your heart to someone who isn't sold out to Jesus. So singles, please don't compromise. Single again, don't compromise. Never be unfaithful to God. He sees your tears. He has your days numbered. He knows what's best for you. And he has a plan for you that will blow your mind if you just wait patiently upon the Lord. Any amens out there for that? Any amens for that? You see, God is saying you either sin or you don't sin. And by the way, God redeems. God's grace covers our, our, our sinful behavior. So he moves on. He talks about relationship with one another. He talks about do not be unfaithful in who you choose to marry. And now he says this, to the one that you're married to, be faithful in your marriage. Look what he says in verse 13. 
Verse 13, he says, another thing you do. You flood the altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings. Jump down in verse 5, he says, and he has not the God, has not the one God made you and you belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. And he says, do not be unfaithful. Look at verse 16. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard. Do not be unfaithful. And he said this in verse 17. You have wearied the Lord. You have worn him out by your disobedience. He says, remain faithful in your marriage. Let me just speak to those of you who are married right now. To the one that you're married to, God is saying, be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Do not be unfaithful to the bride of your youth, he says in verse 15. It's a familiar phrase. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 9, it says, enjoy the life with your wife from, your, from all, all the days of your life. Proverbs 5 and 18, it says, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. And then in verse 16, it says, when a husband divorces his wife, look what it says, he does violence to her. He does violence to her. Think about that for a second. It's a behavior involving physical or mental Hatred and damage. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, God is saying. Here's what God is saying. He says, I was at your wedding. I was a witness. I do weddings. In fact, I've got one or two this summer that I'm doing. And At the end of the ceremony, I usually go to the bride and the groom. And I say, grab your best man and grab your maid of honor. And I have a wedding certificate, a marriage certificate. And I ask the best man to sign your name. It says witness. He signs his name. And I ask, I ask the, the maid of honor or matron of honor, and she signs her name. And the reason they sign their name, it's a witness. I was there at your wedding. I saw you commit to these vows. I was a witness. I stood here and I stood here and I heard you make vows to God, a covenant with him. And so it's a witness. And God is saying, you know what? I was there too. I was a witness to that. I didn't sign your document, but I created marriage. And when you said those words, you said them in covenant with me. He says, you're breaking my heart. Because you're not fulfilling this vow that you made in my presence in marriage. I was there with you. Your relationship with your wife or husband includes God too. You have broken that covenant. Let me just pause here for a second and speak. Obviously, this is a very difficult passage, and I can speak from experience. I am a product of a divorced family. My mom and my dad divorced when I was five years old. And let me just tell you, let me, let me just say, God has redeemed my mom and my dad. I have a stepfather that loves Jesus Christ. I have a father that loves Jesus Christ. I have a mom that loves Jesus Christ. God can restore the, the messes of our lives. I'm a product of a divorced family. And so even now, I have two fathers that are fathering me and that love Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of God's grace. But what God is saying today is this. Listen, to the person that you're married to right now, 
Be faithful to them. Don't try to find the list of all the things that you don't like, all the faults about them, all the things that now you're seeing that weren't there in the first six months or the first 10 years. He says, that's religion. It's relationship. When you said, I do, it meant I do until they breathe their last breath. I was a witness to that. I also want to say this. While God hates divorce, he does not hate the divorcee. I don't hate you. This church doesn't hate you. But God hates the pain. He hates the hurt. And all the complexity that divorce brings, especially with the children. He hates that marriages on earth do not reflect the example he set with the bride of Christ. And the example that God sets is he will never leave us nor forsake us. God will never abuse us. He will never forsake us. He will never trade us in for someone else. That's the example that our God has set. And he's asking, please, be faithful to the person that you're married to today. I hurt for you too today. And if you're divorced, God does not hate you. Your life is not over. You have a bright future in Jesus Christ. The only thing that sends you to hell to is unbelief, not divorce, not gossip, not any other sin. And in our minds, sometimes we categorize areas and think that's worse. God's grace covers our mistakes and our sins. And the reason he's angry is this. His heart is broken because we're unfaithful to one another. We're marrying people that we shouldn't marry. And we're divorcing when we shouldn't divorce. So God is saying, please, work it out. Don't run away. Please know that some days will be harder than others. Please love the wife of your youth until she breathes her last breath. And saying all that, let me pull away and say this. I do believe there's exceptions for divorce. And whether you agree with me or disagree with me, just hear me out. As I read scripture and as I interpret scripture, I believe there are exceptions for divorce. But don't ever abuse his grace on this issue. Before I share these and before you want to quote me, Know that in every case, you must work with all of your heart to be faithful to the one that God, that you said yes to. Plus, I want you to know that God's grace is a beautiful thing. When it comes to messes, he can set you on new ground. So here's the exceptions I would have when it comes to divorce. The first one is this, death. You might say, Pastor Jim, what are you talking about? Death. Why is that an exception for divorce? I've talked to people who feel bound to the person that's dead until they die too. Listen, you are free. You followed through with your commitment. And while that person that you love dearly is dead, I grieve with you. You are free. You are no longer bound to that person. And so while they're not there, death allows you to be free from that person. Another exception that I see in scripture is adultery. 
an unrepentant, continual thought. Now listen to me. I always tell people, work towards repentance. Work towards reconciliation. Make every effort, every effort, every effort, every effort towards reconciliation. But Scripture does show us if there's unrepentant, continual adultery, not just a one-time affair, and you're looking, there it is, there's adultery, there's my... If you're looking for an exit strategy in your marriage right now, you'll find something. But God is saying continual, unrepentant, callous heart towards it. I also believe that sexual immorality, continual, unrepentant behavior. There's two Greek words for that. There's one for sexual morality and there's one for adultery. It's this lifestyle, this, this hardened heart. I'm not changing. I'm continuing down this, this ugly path of sexual immorality that's harming the wife or harming the husband. God is saying if you continue to try to work that out and work that out and there is an unrepentant heart, there comes a time when there's an exception for that. I also believe that scripture shows us that abandonment is an exception for divorce. Someone totally abandoned, leaves, walks away, never to appear again, abandons, leaves, gone. You don't know where they're at, completely gone, desertion. Abandonment is an exception for divorce. I also believe that abuse is. Now hear me on this, please. Ladies, if you're in this room, or you're sitting in the link, or you're hearing me by the internet, Hear me out on this. This is your shepherd talking to you. If your husband touches you in an inappropriate way, get out. Listen to me. You do not deserve. You have never done anything for him to strike you and hit you. You call me. You call another man. You call another brother in Christ. You run today. You do not deserve to be touched in that kind of way by a man. So hear me. You might be saying, but Pastor Jim, how am I going to make it? He brings the money. He's the breadwinner in the family. How am I going to make it? How are my kids going to make it? Let me tell you something. There's a Father God that sees you. There's a church called Grace Community Church that's going to come alongside of you. And we're going to talk to your husband too with some other dudes, let me tell you. (laughs) So please... Don't ever think, don't ever think that you should stay in that relationship, that somehow God wants you to be abused. God does not want you there. The last thing I would say would be this. I believe there's an exception to divorce because of a hardness of the heart that Moses wrote a divorce for. A hardness of the heart. Decades, years, thinking that you walked into this relationship, 
that this person said that they trusted in Jesus Christ. And you're beginning to see this hardness, this hardness of the heart. And you're realizing that years and years and years, no, I don't want to worship. No, we don't need to teach our kids about God. No, I'm not willing to pray. No, I don't love you anymore. No, no, I hate God. This hardness of the heart that Moses wrote a divorce for, I believe there comes a point when you have to make a decision with hardness of the heart. Now let me pull away from all this because as you quote me and you said, Pastor Jim said this. This breaks my heart. No one wins in divorce. No one. No one. And every person that's been divorced here knows what I'm saying. No one wins. And yes, God's grace is a beautiful thing. But I want you to know The Holy Spirit must be your guide and you are the one responsible to live with your choice. But hear me out. Those of you who want to cast judgment, please hear me out. Those of you who want to cast judgment, pull the plank out of your eye first before you begin to do that. People have often asked me along the way, Pastor Jim, what would you do in this case? I always tell them the same thing. I will never answer that question for you. I will give you advice from what God's word says, but that decision, God himself and the Holy Spirit can make it for you, and you are responsible for that decision. Let me wrap this up by saying this. God is perfect in his planning. From the foundation of the world... I would have never planned this message for Mother's Day. (laughs) It's probably one of the hardest passages that I've ever had to preach. But I want you to know that I want Grace Community to be a place where you can come if you've been divorced, where you can come and you've been remarried, and you can grow in Christ and flourish and thrive in him. I want us to be a community of grace. I love you too much not to tell you the truth. And you might differ with me on this, and I'm okay with that. But this is after hours of studying Scripture. And this is where the Spirit has spoken to me. So in wrapping up this message, the Father God is talking to his kids, and he's saying these things that are so very important, as a father would say. I would say to my own kids, I would tell my own kids these same things. Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah. Be faithful to one another. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't take your list. Love, love them, love them. Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah, don't be unequally yoked. It will break my heart and it will break the Father's heart. Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah, when you marry, know that you are there until they breathe their last breath. Oh Lord, help us today. Help us, God, to be faithful. You long for us to be faithful. And Lord, even as we sing this last hymn today, and even a combination hymn, the truth of this hymn is so true. And it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I pray, God, that we would be faithful. 
And that we would be willing to do the right thing, the hard thing, to follow hard after you. Make us faithful, God. In Jesus' name, amen.